Dear Lord God, we're grateful for time in your word. Bless it, our hearts to it, our minds to it, our lives to it. In your son's name, amen. We're in Luke chapter 6, which is Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, some say. It's a kind of a condensation. You've got three chapters in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which are the Sermon on the Mount. A lot of these comments are repeated. It's a different form of the Beatitudes. Uh, I don't have that in the passage here, but we're in verse 27 through the end. So it's about half of a chapter here and three chapters in Matthew. So it's more expansive, a lot more stuff in Matthew. But the way Luke handles it, what the arrangement is, was interesting to me. From verse 27 through 49, 22 verses, um, there are some really key virtuous statements. Ones you know, ones you've heard. And, you know, I don't know if you feel this way. I was, I was in a conversation the other day, and, and somebody quoted Jesus Christ. I think it was Gunn. And, uh, and I was looking at that passage at a different point going, this is so good. It's, it's so different from Paul to read the teaching of Christ. We're Christians, you know. You know and we had a big argument yesterday at Drones about obeying Jesus Christ, a very clear statement, and watching people juke to try to get around what Jesus said. No, we don't have to do that. No, it doesn't mean that. No, it doesn't mean that. And we run into that very first thing here, but, but the first line is what kind of is the structure of this passage in my, in my thinking. But I say to you that here, and he goes on to talk about the, you know, the virtue that he's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, but I say to you that here. Now, <coughs> he's got this crowd gathered around. He's teaching people outside. And everybody wishes they could have been there. And anybody who teaches knows that anyone who shows up and stops to listen, that's a compliment. And if you've been, I've been a pastor for of this church for a while, 31 years, something like that. And you get used to seeing certain responses uh, of listeners, uh, kinds of listening. One, that you're even here. That's a, that's a plus. Um, and some of you have talked to you about these things before, um, the kind of listeners. There's the note takers, people I've had some embarrassing note-takings. Um, some people draw pictures of me, which means I think they're not listening. You have the nodders. The nodders, you, you, you probably know who you are. That when the pastor's eyes go by your portion of the pew, you nod at the pastor. I wasn't saying anything important right then. You didn't have to. You'll be, you're letting me know you're listening. Preach it. Preach it. Then there are the people that comment, you know, you say, okay, he was talking about this after the sermon, 
I'm going to short conversation, let the pastor know I was listening by commenting. And the questioners, people who let you know that in their listening they are in some sort of pursuit, those are good things, you know, the hearers, people that hear. So I say to you that hear, now oh, this is where it gets ugly. It's just when you say, okay, I sit here in Bible study with Jesus, and he says, love your enemies. How could he? Do good to those that hate you. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And then it gets even uglier, and every one of you have been in this argument. To him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to him who begs from you, and of him who takes away your goods, do not ask them again. And as you would... would and as you wish that men would do to you, do so to them. Golden rule. Do as you would be done by. Do unto others as you would have men do unto you. Now, I'm not going to talk about the passage about turning the other cheek, because it's Idaho. Some of you are constitutional carrying this morning. You might shoot me where I stand. And I'm not going to risk that. Leslie and I have lunch plans. But I want you to think about what's, go what's going on. Here are the people that came to church to listen to things of God, and, and there are the nodders and the note-takers and the questioners and the commenters. They're all listening. And the argument yesterday at Drones was clear. Jesus Christ said something. I won't tell you what it was, but Jesus Christ said something, and there are people who were unwilling to do it. And somehow they thought that wasn't problematic. You know, but so often it isn't the, the verse we land on. We find the verse that has kind of got the vague instruction. What does it mean? I've been in enough of these arguments about turning the other cheek. It's nice to have it land on that verse. But it's not, it's not really that verse. I don't think it, I, I think that verse becomes easy. That verse, you, you how it worked out inside your own ethical framework within minutes. You know, before you have this worked out, don't work on that verse. But before you have it worked out, you'll find it even hard to figure out any time where you could obey it. Because every situation that you load into that and run it up the flagpole, see who salutes, you know, is in a fist fight on the ground outside of a bar someplace. We can't even, I'm sorry, I have almost seen the arguments on this verse turn into the fight they're trying to avoid you having, 
Christians almost on each other, pounding each other. No, turn the other cheek now. So what's the what's going on? What's going on? Well, it's not that verse. Um, that verse is 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 talking to somebody who's got something else worked out already. Oh, maybe the first four phrases right before it. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Okay, now what, Skippy? If I loved my enemies, if I was doing good to the people who hated me, you know, kind of all the people that would walk up to me and knock you down, you've already worked out your soul. The problem is, you didn't figure out how to love that guy first. You didn't figure out how to do good to that guy first. Bless him first. Pray for him. This whole nation is built on what kind of malevolent treatment can we dish out, both conservatives and liberals, what kind of malevolent treatment can we dish out to crush those we oppose. There's a whole industry about abuse and what you can do to get back at people who are abusers. Nothing is good enough for them, except for your prayers. Pray for those who abuse you. Now, the verse about turning your other cheek, don't even think about it. Pastor's permission, you have absolution, you have been given forgiveness, you don't have to think about it. I just want you to do those other four things. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those that curse you and pray for those who abuse you. I'd be willing to put up, I'll come and bail you out of jail for getting into a fist fight on some bizarre circumstance because I'm be sure that you were loving those people whatever happened. You won't have to answer the question with the hard, well, what if they do this? What if they do that? Just make them your enemies and love them. And then he goes on to explain, well, if you love those who love you, how pious does that make you? What credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. You know, say there's some sniveling meth head at the Silver Saddle and Potlatch who can barely keep his welfare check alive enough to buy himself the next bit of smack ramen. Hates his wife and his children. Awful human being. And that man loves the people that love him. In other words, he could do just as good a Christian life as we do. Because we like each other. I see you during the fellowship time, liking each other and stuff, catching up on the week, fawning over one another's children. He 
even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? There's no crime in doing these things, by the way. Be nice to your friends. Do good to those who do good to you, because that's always good to do. Just it's good to do, but it's no great shakes. You're not a standout in human history. Human history's in pretty bad shape. And we are the ones who have been called to do something marvelous, miraculous. All of us can be depended upon to take a friend out to lunch who took us out to lunch you know, a month ago. Boy, he took me out to lunch. I should, I should return the favor. I'll take him out to lunch, too. For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. He's saying it again. It's just those are not fair. Remember, this is sometimes you need to remind yourself of what's going on. This is the God of all, the incarnate God of all, who has worked some strange magic to be on the earth talking to people without things blowing up. He is. He is the living God living inside of his creation. And, and he said, wouldn't it be nice if we just had a few words from him about how he would like to see things done? Yes, love your enemies. No, not that, Jesus. Something else, please. Can't we just get together with fellow middle-class Christians who love the same kind of food that we can go to lunch at, you know, Lodgepole or something? Love your enemies, right there, right there in the middle again. And do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Now, I have put in bold sort of the key phrases. The golden rule there in 31, and as you would wish men that would do to you, so do to them. Second one, be merciful, as your Father is merciful. Jesus Christ is really good at... Yeah, you, you, yeah, yeah. I don't understand why they killed him. Yes, you do. You would have had a hand in it. This guy is annoying as all get out. And he's not demanding all sorts of you know, pharisaical, proper, you know, performance stuff. I want to go to temple three times a day. And you better read your Bible four times a day. And you better pray 17 times a day. Oh, yeah, I was, yeah you, you get that set that would do it. It's love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Be merciful. That means people, we talk about the mercies of God. It's one of the great elements that sort of undoes the kind of the Platonism incumbent upon classical theism. But they would argue that God cannot change because he is perfect. And if, and if he is... Uh, perfect and changed he would not have been perfect 
anymore because he changed from perfection. No, he is perfectly merciful. And mercy, he's perfect at changing. How are you doing on changing? Because once you develop an attitude towards somebody, this is what bitterness is about, this is what unforgiveness is about, I must be merciful because my God is kind to people who are just awful. People like you. You received the grace of God because, and you were awful. And we, just that, 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 you've read the parable. You know, the guy who's forgiven this huge debt and he chokes the life out of a fellow servant who owes him 25 cents. You can go that way. Lucy and I are old friends. Um, this bit of godliness, we sometimes say words like godliness or righteousness or holiness. They're fillers. They, they occupy the part of the sentence where you want to make a claim about the good. You are godlike in the godliness. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. To be godlike. People that have stood against everything that God wants for his creation. St. Paul was killing Christians. And Jesus Christ was merciful to St. Paul, the chief of sinners. There are people that you don't want to even acknowledge they exist as you walk down the street. Samaritans with piercings, perhaps. Be merciful. Yes, they're awful. Not, don't love them like they say you have to love them. I, I want to oh, tell you about my idea for a sign. Signs all over town. We've got to get one made for people. It just says, be very, very aware that we in this house are very virtuous. That's all you need to say. We're very virtuous. That has nothing to do with this message. I just had that thought. <laughs> we are called to a virtue, a treatment of those who have given God the middle finger, given you the middle finger, try to hurt you, actually try to hurt you, try to hurt those in your family. Well, I can take it myself, but if they do something to my kids and your eye starts to twitch, because you're really not good at loving your enemies, are you? Or doing good to those who hate you. Because some people in this town, without any awareness of All Souls Christian Church as a anything, would hate us for being what you'd call believing Christians. Hate what you stand for. In a few short weeks, you might be under arrest for just uttering something that is obviously true. A man is a man, a woman is a woman. These people should get married. Those people shouldn't. That's uh, 
People are going to jail in Canada for it. Yeah, they're nicer than we are. <laughs> Our mercies don't get issued to people the way they say you must, you must love them. No, they're awful. They're wicked. They hate God. And I'm going to attend to them. I am going to pray for them. I'm going to do good to them. Not because they are good, because they are evil. They're not ready for that. They're not ready for that miracle. Because you know, the rest of us are running around doing good to those who do good to us. Easy. The non-Christians are doing it. Christians are doing it. The next topic. You can look at this to see if there's a thread running through. Judge not, and you will not be judged. The most famous verse that non-Christians have memorized. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. So it actually is a bunch of good things and negative, good, good, positive and negative things. Judging, condemning, giving, forgiving, etc. Because the theme is not judge not. The theme is for the measure you give will be the measure you get back. This is a, the wonderful teaching of Christ. You are Christians. You have met the Holy Spirit. He is leading you as he told the disciples the Holy Spirit would come and teach them everything Christ had taught to them. The Holy Spirit allows us to do these things naturally, not following a bunch of rules. This is descriptive of the Holy Spirit life. The measure you give will be the measure you get back. It's a good measure. Everyone thinks, of, wow, what, a, what an ethical, you know, brainiac moment when you talk about the, uh, either the golden rule or, or uh, the measure you give is the measure you get back. It's, a, it's, a, it's natural karma. Everybody knows that karma is what it should be. Do you want the karma? Do you ever, do you realize that when we don't love our enemies, we are the enemies of other people? that we might not get the love from our enemies, that we denied to give to our enemies. The measure you give is the measure you get. And as you judged and how many Christian ministries were overturned by someone preaching, you know, tough going for everybody morally, and then it turns out their son or their daughter was caught in the same sin, or the pastor himself caught in the same sin. The judgment you got, gave is the judgment you'll get. So as you look through this passage, <coughs> and I hope you look through it again because I hope <coughs> you've taken some notes or you have nodded at the appropriate times. And as you wish that men would do to you, so do to them. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into the pit? Famous painting by Bruegel. The blind leading the blind. Whole line of blind guys falling into a ditch. I would never hang it up. 
I mean, but it was famous. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully taught, will be like his teacher. Stop and ask yourself in all of these things, am I doing, is this, I'm listening to this. I nodded when it was said. I smiled even because isn't that charming how ethical Jesus is? You're going to want to say, okay, I'll do some lifting on this. I'm going to pick this up. I'm going to say, okay, if I'm not greater than my teacher, and this greatness, this is the teacher you want to have. Christ as your teacher who says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. As they're tacking him to a piece of wood. That's forgiving enemies. When reviled, he did not revile in return. But he trusted to him who judges justly. They were doing wrong. Yes, they would be punished. Yes, Christ endured it. As an example for us that we should follow in his steps. Because he is our teacher. Because so many times when this sort of thing, the pastor, the, uh, obviously I, I have the fame of, it uh, looks like about 455 people maybe. It's hard to count. You're all scattered all over. Some of you are really short. Um, it's not really famous. But when, if I don't hand you off to Christ in this, if I don't say, look at what the Lord said, if you, you'll never be any better than maybe Evan's little, uh, uh, you know, hopes and aspirations about what he'd like to make the world look like. You'll only be as great as your teacher. And if your teacher is a enemy of loving your enemies, if your teacher is an enemy, is going after the abusers rather than praying for them, doing good to bad people, you're never going to be better than that. And tragically, because it is blind and doesn't understand ethics, the Christian ethics, you'll fall into the same pit that people who have been tribal and demanding their own way and having their own team win. Just like everyone else. Why do, whence come these wars and passions among you? Is it not your passions that wage war in your members? You want your own way. What does love do? It does not insist on its own way. I hate this Christianity. Christianity is a simple denial of everything we hold sacred. Especially as Americans. Be happy to be in a debate with anybody about turning the other cheek, but really only those who love their enemies and do good to those who hate them. So I'm grateful for someone who's got a constitutional carry at the back of their belt, especially if they're the loving kind of person. Because that gun's going to come out at the right time and shoot the right person. Hopefully that's not me. <laughs> you want the right heart. You want ethics Christ's ethics. You don't want some North Idaho pastor's ethics being the top end of your understanding. You will not be greater. You will be led to the ditch or the benefit of your teacher. You will never be greater than your teacher. 
The disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully taught, will be like his teacher. That's just a truism. Jesus said it, so it's a little more on truism. Who are you listening to? Who are you nodding to? Who are you trying to make that kind of contact with? Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? You know, as you read through this passage again, you're going to say, my goodness, this is almost the perfected life. There's so many different aspects that if we adjust this according to our teachers, counsel. Everyone knows this passage. You don't take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not notice the log that is in your own eye. It's one of the funny moments in Jesus. You can't really actually say this as if you were Jesus in the moment. Say, okay, look, guys. Say you're trying to get this. You got Somebody's got a, a, some a, a fleck in their eye, and you're trying to help them because you're being helpful. Well, help me get, get that little speck out of your eye. And your friend's going, you got this cantilevered light pole sticking out of your face. Maybe you should go get that looked at. It is about the nail. It is about what's wrong with you. You've got to get that. This is ethics, philosophy, theology, all the maxims that you collect are for leading your own life. Primarily, get yourself worked out. All the light poles in your own eye. Remove, otherwise, you're a hypocrite, right? He said, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye, and probably there wasn't a speck there anyway. You just thought people, all the other people in the world had specks because, of course, they did. You're not about. That's what busybodies are about. They're about everybody else's ethics. So, you know, even the, the pastor has to say to himself, Evan, don't lean into this love your enemies bit as if by saying it from into the microphone, I get to be the right person, everybody else gets to be the wrong people. It's instruction to me. I can't have an ethic, a philosophy, a guide that is not 80% applied to me. We have things that we can apply to other people or help other people in, but we have to apply it to ourselves. Until I work out what it is to be a Christian, I'm not in the business of being Alexander the corrector for everybody else. Any of you? When you apply that business about uh, dealing with yourself, the thing in your own eye, and the teacher business together. What do the maxims, the philosophy, theology of teacher A, B, or C, <coughs> you want to end up like them? <coughs> because their teaching applied to you, you will be like them. <clears throat> For no good tree bears bad fruit, verse 43. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. This is the passage I think Gunn mentioned the other day, a couple nights ago. For every tree is known by its own fruit. 
for figs are not gathered from thorn, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. Okay, look at the two levels of that image. Bad tree, bad fruit. Kind of tree, kind of fruit. Okay? If you have an unhealthy apple tree, it produces unhealthy apples. If you have any kind of apple tree, it doesn't produce peaches. Got it? Basic science. Believe the science. Of course, you can graph things on, can't you? Don't go there. This is just an illustration. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil man out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Another great verse. My mother's favorite verse with Doug and Evan. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When we were snarky around the house and arguing and fighting and all the rest. My mother would tell us this verse. And then we'd argue about how, you know, it didn't really apply. Because all of us are really expert on how Jesus and Paul and all the rest don't really apply to our lives. It's really how we want to run our own lives. But here, this morning as I was looking at this, he says, what kind of tree are you is going to be the nature of your treasure, right? And I, I said, oh, yeah. He said Treasure. He didn't say, what kind of Myers-Briggs person are you? He didn't say, what kind of bodily humors do you have? What kind of personality are you? Uh, just kind of, what are you kind of into? What do you like? He said, what kind of treasure do you have? But then he leans on it in the favorite Mrs. Wilson part, out of the abundance. That's what a treasure is. You know you have a treasure. There's this um, mansion up in Spokane, Cheney Cole Museum. Beautiful house. Makes our house look like a garage. And uh, just a wonderful house. They have a card gambling room in the basement, card playing room, with a safe, of course, because you're playing cards. Um, and the safe is one of these big, you know, almost walk-in vaults. These are rich people. You have one of those. I mean, what if you didn't have Umqua or Zion's Bank or whatever you had to pretend they were holding your money? You'd have to hold it yourself, right? Stacks of cash, gold bullion in a safe in your basement. That's where your abundance has to go because you, subsistence is not this. Subsistence says, I made enough money to go buy food for today. I will buy food today. I will eat that food today, and I'll pay the rent for the roof over my head. Abundance is when I got more than that. I'm just left with money. I didn't need that much smack ramen. I didn't need those steaks. I didn't need more clothes. I, 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 I've got everything. Now I have treasure because I have abundance. Good treasure or evil treasure. But think of it in terms of abundance. You have a lot of it. It's not just whether or not you heard whether Jesus Christ liked you to love your enemies. Is this an abundant thing for you? Because an abundance of the good will produce the good. Good. 
Your mouth will speak according to what the abundance is in you. You can't just go, yeah, I agree with Jesus on that one. Okay, all right. Think of all the things that you have trouble with in the Bible, things that St. Paul has said. You said, I wouldn't have said that. Well, you're not an apostle. Okay? Inspired by the Holy Ghost, and you're not. And he's going to say stuff, and St. Peter's going to say stuff, and Jesus Christ are going to say stuff. And do you, you might say, do you desire that it would not just be true to you, but wonderfully magnified in its truth to you? You know, you have all those awkward things. Children, obey your parents. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. All sorts of things, yeah. Yeah, I agree with it. I do it some of the time. Some of the time is not an abundance. Some of the time is not attention to it. Some of the time is not rejoicing that you have a vault in your basement that holds all of your submission to your husband because that is the wealth that you treasure. You were told to do it. And you loved collecting that. The good treasure or evil treasure or no treasure at all because you really didn't spend much time on it. You just said, okay, I go to the kind of church that believes the Bible, so we kind of believe those things. Abundance of the heart. We're not used to abundance. We almost frown on it because a lot of secular thinky people think that having more than you need is wrong. Having more than you need is abundance. What do you have an abundance of? That's the question. Is it good treasure? Bad treasure. Have some treasure. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I tell you. Remember, back when I said this is the key phrase, but I say to you that here, because he comes back around to that. He's got people listening to him. You guys listening to me, these are the things I'm going to say to you. And they says, you call yourselves hearers, disciples, followers, learners from this Christ guy, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words, which was this crowd, I say to you that hear, and does them, Oh, that was the extra thing. Nodding won't fix it. Note-taking won't fix it. Comments and questions won't fix it. Doing it fixes it. I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building his house who dug deep and laid the foundation upon rock, and when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But he who hears... And does not do them. Got that? We all sort of gathered we were in that company of hearers. We have different ways of hearing. But we then really get sliced between, am I the hearer that made that the abundance of my life? That that was going to be the, the deeds that I was going to then do. I was going to be the most gracious mother, most kind father. I was going to be the most dear enemy of anybody in this town, they're going to hate me for my quality of enemy standing. I do such good for them. Do I do it? 
He who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation against which the stream broke, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. One thing that needs to be mentioned is that this world is not designed on any kind of basis that you, as the particular put your name in there, deserve to be happy. Once you say the word deserve, happiness is not the automatic. It's sort of like, I deserve to be paid. Well, no, if you did the job, you deserve to be paid. You don't deserve to be happy. Happy people who deserve to be happy deserve to be happy. We get this karmic response. The measure you give is the measure you get. And how great you give that giving will be given to you, shaken down and running over. This is this goodness that you are stepping toward or thinking about, not just listening to, but doing, will have such reward from your Father who is in heaven. We will be like him. He will give us the reward that suits us. We will then be the happy. We will bear the good fruit. Our master will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You deserve to be happy if you're certain things. We have to do what our Lord teaches. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, help us do more than hear. Help us seek the power by which you bring these things to pass in us where we love our enemies. Where we expect the measure we give. We look at the abundance in our life and find out what will our mouths be speaking. Your son said great things, Lord. We'd ask that we would humble ourselves before him, before we call him Lord, so that we will do what he asks. In your son's name we pray. Amen.